Testament. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 together from verse 10 today. And for those of you that are visiting, we've been doing a series on Philippians for the last uh, about half, six months. And um, we are about to end our series in the next couple of weeks. But I'd like to speak to you this morning about learning to be a confident and a contented Christian. All right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if all of us could be content? That would be a cool thing. Too many discontented people in the world, frustrated with their lot. But Paul writes here in the most amazing way, and I'm going to ask um, if you can put the scripture up in verse 10. It says this, uh, it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking about being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And he says these amazing words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I'd like to just uh, pick up on some of the themes here. The, 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 the whole theme of the letter that we've been looking at is a joyful Christian living. I also picked up last week on another theme that Paul uh, explores in the letter about having the mindset of Jesus, the mentality of Christ, and how we can learn that same mentality and how it can help us with our relationships, how it can help us in our circumstances. Um, that as we have the same attitude of Jesus, we can learn to live in a completely different way. And so here he's picking up on something that really was the intention of the, the, writing this letter to, th to thank them for, for this gift that they'd sent him while he was in jail. And we're not exactly sure what that gift was, but uh, as I said, um, when you were thrown in jail in Rome, you had to take care of yourself. You had to provide your own food, your own clothing. And so it was quite common for people to help those uh, that were in jail. And so the Philippians had sent this gift to Paul to help him. So I'd like you to notice a couple of things, and they're very, very simple things. The first thing I'd like you to notice about this passage, do you notice that Paul, when he speaks about material provision, he takes great care when he does that. Do you notice that? Do you notice his language? In fact, if you look, we're going to look at uh, the second half of the section next week when he speaks about generosity, their generosity. But these, these verses here, um, in fact, there's 11 verses here, and he devotes more time in the, in the context of the letter to thanking them for their provision than he does in writing that amazing portion about Jesus in chapter 2. Remember chapter 2? Uh, let, let, let us have the same attitude as Christ who did not consider equality with God to be grasped, but he humbled himself. That's a very, very famous portion in the New Testament. Well, when Paul is writing here to thank them for their material provision, he devotes more time and more verses to doing it. But he does it very carefully. Do you notice it seems to be a little bit difficult for him uh, to, to, to speak about it? Um, he says, you weren't able to help me for a long time, but now that you, now you have been able to uh, revive your concern for me, you didn't have opportunity to show it before, but now you have. So it's, it seems like he's, he's a little bit kind of struggling to say what he wants to say. But do you notice also, as he starts with this thankfulness, this, uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, he says, do you notice that he also says that he, he wants to show them that he's not desperate for their, for their support? Do you, do you notice that? It's quite a strange thing. He's, he's kind of, he's thanking them wholeheartedly. And then he's saying, not that I want to show, say that I'm in need. So at the same time, 
he's trying to help them to see that he's ultimately he's depending on God as much as he appreciates what they've done for him. Do you notice that? So there's this, this he, he, he handles material, uh, thinking, talking about financial and material things in a very, um, a, a very um, yeah, specific way. Secondly, and this is what I really want to amaze on this morning, do you notice how he can say of himself that he's reached a great place of contentment and confidence in his life, that he's reached this place? I have learned, he says, in whatever situation to be content. Now, if you're a little bit like me, uh, I would have to be honest to you and say, I am still learning to be content in every situation. How many of you feel like you still need to learn about being content in every situation? All right. So Paul, Paul makes it clear here, and he says, I have learned. And it's clear in, in, in how he writes here that his circumstances had varied a lot during his life. He says sometimes he had done well and he had abundance of material things. Other times he didn't and he had some needs. But he says that those things didn't really worry him very much. In fact, we, we're not even sure that he wrote to the Philippians saying, hey guys, send me a gift. They spontaneously sent him a gift and so he's, 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 um, he's, he's thanking them for that. But he, he doesn't seem very much to worry about his material circumstances. Uh, that's a great lesson for us in the 21st century, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I think um, one of the things I've learned about um, advertising is advertising you uh, plays on your fear that you're going to miss out, that you're not going to have what other people have, and that you must have everything now. Have you ever noticed that? When you think about a holiday, they're always advertised as fly now, pay later. Isn't that right? I mean, you can have it now. Have it now. Don't worry about saving. For it. Just have it now. Put it on your credit card and you'll pay, but later. Or when you buy furniture, you know. Buy it now. Don't have to pay for four years. And then 0% interest. And you pay it off a little bit of time. It's like our, our whole culture is kind of, is, is kind of uh, existing on this thing of having things now and not being content and always wanting more and always wanting better. Always wanting, we always, we, always, we always compare ourselves upwards, don't we? We, we never compare ourselves downwards. <laughs> Only upwards. Only to those that have more. Only those who are more beautiful. Only those that are more successful. Only those who are more famous than we are. Uh, we, we compare upwards all the time. Never, never downwards. Never seeing just how much we have. Yes? This is our culture. And what does Paul say? I have learned in whatever situation, to be content. So if I do anything this morning by the power of the Spirit, I would, I would hope that at the end of this meeting, all of us are learning a little bit more in our lives personally what it means to be content in every situation. Not always worrying that we're missing out. And, um, you know, Paul was a very gifted guy. And he must have known what it was to live in a frustrated and vexed way. I had to get my favorite word in. My favorite word at the moment is vexed. I love that word. So Paul must have been vexed by his situations. Sometimes he chose, he was very gifted, very bright guy, could have done anything with his life. He chose to be an apostle. God called him to be an apostle, and he chose to live with that calling, with that gifting, which led to a lot of frustration for him. 
it must have been very uh, distressing. And, and, and sometimes for us, when we're being ruled by our natural temperament, we can also become distressed in terms of our circumstances and our lives, especially if you've got a natural drive and a natural energy. And Paul seemed to be able to live in this tension of having this drive and energy for the kingdom and yet not letting these other external things worry him too much. A great, great lesson that he says we can all learn. I have learned, he says, to be content. And so I want to learn to be content. <laughs> and, I, and I'm trusting for you as well that you, you, we will all learn to be content. And I, I think this is one of the great lessons that God allows in our lives, every one of us, whether we're just starting out like the students are or whether you have had a career for a number of years. God allows different circumstances and situations in our lives at different times in order that we can learn different lessons. Now, the problem is when you're learning a particular lesson, you don't, it's difficult for someone to say that to you, isn't it? You just want to tell them, oh, keep quiet. I don't particularly want to learn this lesson right now. But God allows things in our lives so that we can learn different things. Sometimes we are bound. Sometimes we have more than enough. Sometimes we are brought low. Sometimes we have plenty, sometimes we face hunger. And in each of those circumstances, God is wanting to teach us something. And so I put it to you this morning that when you have much in times of wealth, there are lessons to learn. One of the lessons to learn in time of wealth is to be a generous person. Yes? In times of need, there are also lessons to be learned. In times of poverty, in times of ease, in times of difficulty, God wants us all, in whatever our circumstances, to find a place of contentment in Him. And that's what I really want to major on this morning. And so when I look at Paul's life, it's amazing that he knows how to abound without pride, without arrogance. Isn't that sometimes the way of the world? When you have much, it can be a little bit arrogant with, with your wealth. Yeah? Paul's not like that. He's, he's learned to abound and have much and not be proud about it, not be arrogant about it. And at the same time, he says he's content and he knows how to be in need. And this is the point. He's not angry or resentful when he's in need. That's the hard part, isn't it? Because sometimes when we're in need, we can get resentful. God, why have you blessed them? I love you just as much. Why don't you bless me like that? A little bit resentful. A little bit of anger inside. Uh, Paul says, no, I've learned to be content. Contentment means you can celebrate with those that have much, and God is blessed, and you can be content with your situation and, and your position and not be resentful of others, not be angry because you think you've missed out. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what contentment is. And all of us have to learn that lesson. And do you notice thirdly in this portion that Paul says quite clearly and quite simply, how he has come to know this. He simply says, I've learned this, okay? In other words, I've been taught this. The Holy Spirit has taught me this thing. And he discovered in his experience over and over again that God never forsake, forsook him or abandoned him. And I, I believe that as, as we walk together through our lives, if we carefully observe our lives over a period of time, each of us will discover that God never forsakes us. He never does. If we look carefully, we'll see His hand has always been upon us. And under, I, I like to put it like this. Underneath our lives are the everlasting arms of the Father that holds us up. 
that always brings great comfort to me whenever I'm struggling, that I know I can pray, Jesus, I know, Father, I know, under my life are your everlasting sovereign arms upholding me, keeping me going. Amen? And so, you know, sometimes we think it's luck when God steps into our lives, don't we? We think, oh, well, that was, that was, that was just his blessing this once. And then we see it happening again and again and again. And God rescues us over and over and over and over. And he blesses us over and over and over. Why? Because he wants us to understand that he is completely for us. That he's never going to leave us. He's never going to uh, forsake us. Why? Because he wants to get us all to trust him completely with our lives. That we can have this absolute rest and contentment in him. That's what Paul says he's learned. I've learned to be content because I know that God has always been faithful to me. I can trust him with my future, with everything. He's never let me down. And I've learned in all things. Not to look at the present, but to look to Him. And in all things, I've learned a contentment in my life. So I want to put, to put it to you that all of us can learn this contentment, and we can learn a confidence that comes from that. A couple of years ago, I um, preached through the book of James, and there's this beautiful verse in the book of James that says this, James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above. What does that mean? Quite simply, it means every time anything good happens in your life, it is from your Father in heaven. And here's the cool thing. Sometimes God uses other Christians to be a great gift to us. And so this, the, the truth is that one Christian can have enough because of someone else's generosity, another Christian's generosity. And that's a beautiful thing. And, th and that's really what Paul is commanding here of the Philippians. He's saying, you've taken care of your generosity, has taken care of my physical need. And he's thanking them for that. And it's true that um, many people are used by God to be a blessing in our lives. And we, we don't, ultimately, what we have to remind ourselves is that we don't have to look to people. We always look to God and God moves on the hearts of those that he wants to, to be a blessing in our lives. Amen? We always look to God. We always look to him with confidence. We're not at the mercy of our, our circumstances. We can look to him, the, the one who provides in every way. And so, as Paul discovered, you can be thrown into jail. You can, all your possessions can be taken away from you. You can be disgraced. And right now, all over the world, Christians are being persecuted like no other time in history. There are more Christians being persecuted now than any time in history. That's a fact. All over the world. And yet, all these things might be changing for many people that believe in Christ. But ultimately, the grace of God can never be taken from you, can never be taken from me. And that should bring in us uh, an, uh, an absolute confidence and contentment in the Lord. And um, this should help us to reach this place of contentment. Um, I can do all things through him who strength, who, who, all things in him who strengthened me, says Paul. Um, here's the point, uh, what Paul, Paul is trying to say, that every Christian, all of us, we are all people who have the ability, who have the power to do all things under the enabling of God, under the enabling of the Holy Spirit. You see, um, you might not have great natural abilities. I always tell the story when I, when I think of this. My, I've got a good friend. Um, his name's Terry. He's my age, and now he leads a church in, in America. But when he was at school, he wasn't a very um, academic guy. And so, so he, tells, he tells the story that he left school at age 16, and he failed his practical test to leave school, right? 
So he basically left school with very practical skills. He could do some, uh, we called it woodwork, what's it called now? Um, designing technology, and he could do work a little bit with metal, but his basic reading skills and all that kind of stuff, very low. He had very little ability as an academic kind of person. And then he got saved. And he read this thing of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And so he decided he was going to teach himself to read. And so he did. He taught himself to read. And he persevered. And it was a struggle for him uh, initially. But now he's, an, he's an, a, a voracious reader and he leads a church and he preaches each week and he's reading books all the time. And that's what he was. And this is what he became. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. The power of Christ in me transforming me. Amen? And so... I'm not talking about, remember last week, uh, I, I talked a little bit about positive thinking. When Paul says, think on these things, he's not talking about positive thinking. Here, when he says, I can do all things, he's not saying, I can do all things. He's not saying it like that. Me, I can do all things. No, he's saying, I can do all things through him who is at work in me. Very different focus, very, very different emphasis, isn't it? It's not me, I, me, oh. No, it's me, yes, certainly me, through Him. Through Him, who strengthens me by His Spirit. That's the key. So Paul's not saying that Jesus is going to do everything for you either, is he? The sentence is, is not finished with, I've learned, um, I can do all things, finish, point. I can do all things through Him. Who strengthens me. So he's not saying, well, just relax and Jesus is going to do everything for you. No, he's saying, you've got to do something, but it's the power of the Spirit inside that enables, and then through that power, you can do all things. And so he's speaking about this incredible confidence and self-sufficiency that we can have in the Lord. And as I was thinking about it, I just was reflecting a little bit on, um, we're going to break bread now, but a little bit on the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, remember the Passover? Jews celebrated the Passover at the same time as we celebrate Easter. And what happened at Passover? The angel of death was going to come across the land. And so what did the Israelites do? They took blood, they killed a lamb, took blood, and they painted the doorposts and the lintels with the blood of the lamb and the angel of death passed over them. And their, their, no um, lives were lost. You see, this is a beautiful picture of what it means to be in Christ. Remember, we, we spoke a lot, lot about that when Paul says all of us are in Christ, and I had a look at what that means, our position in Christ. Well, this picture of the Lamb and the blood of the Lamb is a picture of what it means for us to be in Christ. All of us live daily our lives under the power and the protection of the blood of Jesus in our lives. Why? Because we are in Him. And we daily walk with Him. We daily hear His voice. And so that's why the psalmist puts it in another way in the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms, have you read that psalm that says, I will live under the shadow of your wing. It's a picture of being in Christ. As we are in Christ, it's like we are under the shadow of the Father's wing. The picture there is, is a, a mother hen gathering her chicks, and, and they are underneath the wing of the mother hen. So we can run to Christ for protection. We sing. We, we have a good father. We, we can run into the arms of a good father. We can press close into a good father. 
We can cover ourselves in our Father in heaven. We can find refuge in Him. We can know that He's entirely trustworthy with our future. And Paul knew this in his own life in the most amazing way. And so as we grow in that knowledge, as we grow in that understanding of who God is, that we can trust Him in that way, what does that lead to? That leads to our lives being infused with the divine power. It leads to our lives being a demonstration of God strengthening us on the inside and Him putting His energy in us, Him putting His drive in us, Him putting His joy in us, which turns out to be our strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it, as we get this understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit, we understand it's Him leading us, Him guiding us. It's His love that constrains us. It's His love that enables us to say no to certain things and yes to other things. He shows us daily the way to go. I love the scripture that says he gives us love and peace and power and a sound mind to know what to do in any situation. And so that's true of every Christian. It can be true as we learn to trust him by the power of the Spirit. I have learned to be content whatever my situation and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I'd like us to break bread this morning, and I'd like us just to take a moment before we go to the tables. Why don't, don't, we, why don't we just spend a little two minutes? I want to ask that you'd, you'd um, close your eyes and just you and the Lord, just be honest and ask some questions of yourself and say, Lord, these areas in my life, I'm still struggling. I'm not content in these areas. Uh, look them square in the face and let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. And there probably will be different things for each, each of us, not necessarily all the same things. And then as you identify that, that particular thing in your life, ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you. Uh, ask Him to give you that ability to Trust Him entirely with your future. Trust Him entirely that you can live a contented life. That you can celebrate when you have much. That you can learn to be content when there's little. And then ask Him, thirdly, for that power. That you wouldn't be putting confidence ultimately in your own gifts but in Him who strengthens you. And through His strength, you can do all things.